This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Right, grab a Bible, find your way to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Years ago, I was supposed to open the store at Starbucks. It's like 4.30 in the morning, and I woke up late. Anybody know the feeling? Late to work. So I drove a good bit faster than the speed limit said to drive. Anybody know the feeling? And I got pulled over. I don't remember if I got a warning, if I got a ticket. I don't remember because of what came next. I finally make it to Starbucks, and my supervisor is there. And for about 15 minutes, she just cussed me up and down. Just, I mean, just like, it was about after five minutes worth, I'm like, how long are we going to do this for? You know, I was like, this store is going to open in about 15 minutes and she's still going strong. Just For many of us this morning, that is our reality with work. That's our reality with work. Waking up late, breaking the speed limit to get there, showing up late and getting cussed up and down because we're late. We're, we're doing a short sermon series on work. And uh, the Bible has a lot to say about work. If you're dreaming about your future job, if you're interviewing for your first job, if you just got fired or if you just got hired, this sermon series is for you. If you're living for the weekend, complaining about your boss, whining about your wages, this sermon series is for you. If we're gossiping about our coworkers, shortcutting our customers, overly stressed or under-challenged at work, this sermon series is for you. If you love your coworkers, if you work alone or if you work with a team, if you're the boss or the intern, this sermon series is for you. And if you've ever wondered, does the Bible have anything to say about work. This sermon series is for you. The goal of this series is this, is that God, the God who loves us, the God who made us, the God that knows us better than we know ourselves, the God that made our fingerprint is that God would shape our attitude toward work and our approach toward work so that we would flourish in our work and that God would be glorified in our work. That's my goal. So at the end of this sermon series, you can come up and say, Pastor, success. God is shaping my attitude. He's shaping my approach to work. And I sense the blessing of God on it. And I really sense that he's being glorified in my work. Or you can come up and say, Pastor, swing and a miss. <laughs> Strike one. But I'm going I'm to come to the next sermon series and see if you get a, a base hit. That's the goal is that God would shape, he would use this sermon series to shape our attitude and our approach to work 
so that we flourish at work and that he's glorified in our work. Normally, the way I preach is I take a a, a particular text of scripture, sometimes a paragraph, and I unpack the meaning of that text. Um, But in this sermon series, I'm going to be drawing from a variety of texts um, because I really want a lot to to bear on us, to shape us, to speak to us. I want to bring to bear a lot of what the Scripture says about work. And so here's the first idea this morning. Are you ready for it? Genesis chapter 1, are you ready for it? God works. God works. I want you to see this in Genesis 1. The opening paragraph of the Bible, look at it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Look at verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And if you've ever read the opening chapter of the Bible, you know then then comes the second day and then the third day. And God is creating all through the six days of creation. And then I want to invite you to turn over and look at chapter 2, verses 1 with me. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Here Moses summarizes indeed what was God doing in creating. What was he doing? doing. I want you to see this, chapter 2, verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were finished in all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God works. What's so amazing to me about this is that God had no bills to pay. (laughs) In other words, God didn't have to go to work to earn a paycheck to pay for bills. He just worked. Indeed, God had no authority over him telling him to get up out of bed, and go to work. God, in his infinite wisdom, just chose to engage in the pleasure and in the beauty and in the order, in the rightness of work. God works. On the opening pages of the Bible, the book of Genesis, it's known as the book of beginnings. It's where we begin to see what is God doing in the universe. That's what the book of Genesis helps us. In particular, the opening chapters of the book of Genesis helps us understand what is God up to? What is God doing? What's the rhythm? What's the pattern of life? And here at the outset, we see that God works. Not because he needs to pay a bill and not because there's any authority over him telling him that he needs to work. He just works. It's my hope and it's my prayer that as we dig into the scriptures and as you consider what the sacred scriptures tell us about work, that the spirit of God will begin to shape your thinking toward work. If we went around the room this morning, many of us would say, work is lousy these days. 
Work is immensely frustrating. We all have nicknames for our boss because he's that guy. Work's not a real pleasure. I dread it. Some of us would say, I've been dreading work for years. And I don't think that that's what God has for you. I don't think that that's what God wants for you. I don't think that that, I think that he has something better for us. So we're just, we're just laying a foundation for this sermon series. And the first idea is just simply God himself, the creator of all, works. Next, we see that God gave us work to do, and he commanded us to work. Look over in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God created work for us to do, and he commands us to work. Look at verse 28. And God blessed them. Who did he bless? He blessed Adam and Eve. So what we have is the creation account where God's creating everything, and we pick it up in mid-chapter where God created humanity. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is thrilling. The first conversation that God has with humanity, the first one is be fruitful and multiply. And I know some of you are really looking forward to the sermon series that we teach on be fruitful and multiply. You guys are a little like calmer than the first service. That'd be a great sermon series. It's coming sometime. Maybe it'll be the first sermon series in the new building. Probably not. But be fruit, fruitful and multiply would be really helpful. Can I get an amen? Yeah, some of you haven't been fruitful and multiplying lately. You need to repent and go home and be fruitful. Let the multiplying be up to the Lord. But in the same conversation, he says, subdue the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it. What was he saying? God created the garden, so he created the workplace. He put them in the garden. He says, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. What does he mean, subdue it? He means take control of it. Take control of it. And keep it in order. Take control of it and bring it under your authority. That's what, that's what he's saying. Have dominion over it, subdue it. Modern man would say it this way, crush it. Crush it. I love every now and then I'll preach a sermon and our student minister Clay will be walking up to give the next steps and he'll just say, crushed. I'm like, I don't know if you guys heard it, but right there at the end, it was like somebody was crushing like a little guitar riff. Did you hear that little? They crushed it. It was short, but it was beautiful. It just like, it just like effortlessly crushed it. You know, you know what I mean? Um, I'll be watching a high school baseball game where the umpires are not crushing it. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I'll let them know, you're not crushing it. We wish you would crush it and get the call right. But you're not. Crushing it. When I, when I look at the architect drawings for our future building, I just think, man, they crushed it. They crushed it. When I walk out onto the job site, I just I look at it, I'm like, they are absolutely crushing it. That's what it means to subdue. That's what it means to take dominion. It, it, mean, it means to cultivate an expertise and bring your expertise to bear and bring order and beauty in what's in your hands. That's what... That's what it means to subdue it. 
I want you to look over in chapter 2, verse 15. We see God indeed gave us work to do, and he commanded us to work. Look at chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. For some of you, work is such a drag, and we so miss the heartbeat of the Father. Because here at the outset of what it means to be a human being is to be a worker. What we're going to see in this sermon series is that we don't find our identity in our job, but being created in the image of God. Part of what it means to be created in the image of God is that he created us as workers. God works and he created work, gave us work to do, and commands us to work. And so no, your job is not your identity, but part of what it means to be a human being is to work. And work is so frustrating for so many of us. It's been so hard for so many of us that we've lost the sight of the goodness of of work. Maybe for some of us this morning, we've never seen the goodness of the reality of work. Look back at verse 15 with me. This is before sin ever entered the world. This is before Adam and Eve fell in sin. I want you to see this again. Look at it with me. Then God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. It's beautiful. Some of you may be a child here this morning going, I don't have a job. I don't know if I want a job. Dad seems to be pretty stressed out about his job. I don't know what I don't want a job. I don't think God's given me work to do, but if you're in school, God has indeed given you work to do. And he wants you to crush it. I hear my kids from time to time say, I'll never, I'll never use this in real life. I'll never use this, you know, I'll never use this in, in real. Listen, there's a foundation. The Bible in chapter 1 of Genesis says that we've been created in the image of God. What that, what that means is we're the pinnacle of his creation. We're, we're the treasure of God's creation. And we, unlike all the rest of creation, have the capacity to reason and to feel emotion. We're to reflect the very character of God. Everywhere we go, we're a mirror of God. Some of us are like funhouse mirrors in our life. We don't reflect God as he really is, right? He's loving, but we're not very loving. He's holy, but we're not very holy. But one of the things that it means is that we are to reflect God and that we are to be a worker, as God is a a worker. So if you're a child in school, if you're a teenager in school, right now you may not have a job where you're clocking in and clocking out and receiving a paycheck, but God has entrusted school work to you. And he doesn't want you to dismiss it, and he doesn't want you to cheat. He wants you to take in your hands what he's entrusting to you, and he wants you to crush it. (laughs) He wants you to take dominion over it. He wants you to subdue it. And so what that means is bringing your everything to it, mastering it to the best of your ability, and to bring it under your dominion. To bring it under your dominion. And what you'll see and what you'll find is all students do, there are some things that God has hardwired you to have a, a higher level of expertise than other areas. And that's okay. That's okay. What I'm wanting you to see and understand is that God has indeed invited you into the rhythm of humanity in doing schoolwork. In, indeed, perhaps you have work at home to do, chores. And perhaps it's just really easy to complain about, I got to clean the bathroom, but it's my sibling that really destroyed this place. Do you know what I'm talking about? Why do I have to clean up after their mess? 
Or maybe you've got to clean the dishes and you're like, my sibling won't even scrape their plate. How hard is it just to scrape your plate before putting it in the sink, right? And so, but this is your work to do that if your parents invite you to do it, God is putting it in your hands. Do you understand that? You understand that? When your parents ask you to do chores at home, around the house, in the yard, the living God is entrusting work to you. And he's watching if you're going to crush it, if you're going to take dominion, if you're going to subdue it. He's inviting you into the pleasure of work. Pleasure of work. I'm glad this is a sermon series because I'm not buying it yet at this stage in the sermon. Come back next week. It's intended to be a series. Some of you are retired and you're like, hallelujah, I'm done with work. Hallelujah. Listen, when you retired, you did not lose the essence of your humanity. You didn't lose the essence of being created in the image of God. God still has work for you to do. It may just not be the kind of work, the volume of work, the intensity of work that you were engaged in. When you, when, you, when you clocked out and when you retired, you didn't step out of what it means to be created in the image of God. You're still a worker, and God still has work for you to do. So where will he invite you into making the world a better place? What will you set your hands to do to make things more beautiful, to take dominion, to bring order, to reflect who God is and his ways in your retired work? God works and God gave us work to do and he commanded us to work and we've got the opportunity to crush it everywhere we are and whatever we set our hands to do. And then finally we see that Jesus works. Jesus works. You don't have to turn there in your Bible, but in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, we see that Jesus himself was a carpenter. Sometimes in the church we, we get this wrong idea that the only real sacred work are what the pastors do. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever heard somebody say that? Have you ever heard somebody say, now, now the, the work that the pastor does, that's really important work. Where do you get that from? Where does that come from? I, like, I understand the significance of, of God calling men and women into ministry and them fulfilling their God-ordained calling. Perhaps there's some in our congregation that God is stirring your heart for vocational ministry You need to say yes to the Spirit. But here we see Jesus was a carpenter. That word used to describe Jesus in Mark 6, it may not be that he was a carpenter per se, but perhaps more of a handyman. Maybe someone that worked with metal. But but what's important for us to understand is that the King of Kings and the Son of Gods, the great I Am, who had no beginning, who had no end, The Alpha and the Omega, when he was born into this world, he took a job to show us that work is sacred. All work is sacred. Not just what we might categorize as spiritual work. All work is spiritual. It's my hope and prayer that the Spirit of God, as we expose ourselves to what the Word of God teaches about work, might reshape our thinking on work. Jesus himself was a carpenter in Hebrews 1.3. It says that he is upholding the universe by the word of his power right now. That's what Jesus is doing. 
You look at this world and you think, how, how does it all work? You know, Jesus Christ is upholding it. He's working right now, upholding the universe by the word of his power. John chapter 5, verse 17, I think it'll be on the screen here. The context of this text are the Pharisees, the religious leaders, are rebuking Jesus for healing on the Sabbath day. And Jesus, Jesus jukes them, you know, as he does with the religious leaders. And he's like, look, my father gave the law. And I understand how it's to be applied and interpreted and lived out. And it's good to heal on the Sabbath. It's good to heal. And and he reinforced this point by saying this. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now. And I am working. Do you ever feel alone in your job? You ever feel feel like you work in like the most godless environment? God is working. The Father is working. Jesus is working. He's, He's working. You're not alone. He understands. He sees what you're doing. He sees what's been put in your hands to do. He's working. You're joining him in your work. It's the rhythm of the divine, and it's the rhythm of humanity. In, indeed, we, Jesus is working. We refer to what happened on the cross as the work of Jesus, right? It's through his work on the cross that we can be saved. It's through his work on the cross of dying for sins that we can be forgiven. It's through the work of his life and his death and his resurrection. It's where we find hope. So Jesus did this great spiritual work to bring great good. Do you see the parallel? We get to wake up tomorrow and engage in work to bring about good that would bring blessing on others. Work is indeed sacred. Certainly there could be work that where exploitation is taking, uh, taking place. Perhaps there could be some unholy things that get labeled as work that are not sacred in their essence, but work as a principle is, is sacred. John chapter 9, verse 4, it's one of the theme verses for our time. It's where Jesus uh, says to his disciples, night is coming when no man can work. We must work the works of him. Do you hear what Jesus said? We, (laughs) we, you my disciples and me, like we, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. Night is coming when no man can work. So Jesus is working. He's working. So what should we conclude by all this? It's just really simple. It's a real simple foundation for this whole sermon series. And it's just simply this. Work is good. And some of you don't feel like work is good. And and I I just want you to, if, if you can, hold in tension right now the reality of how difficult your work is. Hold intention. Push pause. Suspend, suspend your experience just for a moment to allow the sacred scriptures to renew your mind according to work so that you think God's thoughts after him about work because it's possible that your experience ends up becoming your authority. And this morning, I want, I want to invite you to allow the word of God, the sacred scriptures, to become your authority for life, not your experience in your work, but to listen what, to what God says about work and conclude that work 
is good. Work is good. It's not just good, it's blessed. It's important. It's significant. Work holds dignity, not because of the status it gives and not because of the money it pays, but because it's worthy of our sincere reflection and our most mature consideration because it's been wisely designed by God and entrusted to us as a stewardship. There's much to consider here, friends. And so as we move through this sermon series, it's my hope and prayer that the Spirit of God will begin to shape our attitude and shape our approach to work so that those of us that are inclined to complain about work that are complaining might turn into gratitude. That those of us who approach work like, I have to go to work, that we might begin to think about work of, I get to go to work. It's a privilege. Those of us that have felt pressured to represent the company, we might be freed to begin to reflect our God in our work. Those of us that have been workaholics, that we might learn how to become and take a Sabbath. Those of us that have been lazy, that we might actually become hard workers. For those of us that have cut corners, we might begin to do honest work. And for those that exploit employees, that we might dignify our employees. Some of us this morning, we see work as meaningless. And it's my hope that through this sermon series, you'll begin to see your work is deeply meaningful. Deeply meaningful. So if work is so good, why is it so doggone frustrating? That's next week. That's next week. I want you to come back as we dig into the scripture to answer the question, if work is so good, why? Why Why can it be so frustrating? I want to invite our elders to come, front, uh, come up front, those that are here. Um, and church, I just want to invite you this morning that if you're carrying a burden that's associated with your work, and you want one of our elders to pray for you just to come forward in just a moment, let them pray for you. Maybe you just got hired for a new job and tomorrow morning you start the new job. What better thing than to let one of the elders of your church pray for you as you start this new job? Maybe you've been out of work and you just can't seem to get a call back and you want, one, you want somebody to pray for you. Maybe you feel like you've been in a dead-end job and you just don't know how much longer you can go. Let's pray for a provision from God. So however God has stirred in your heart, however God has spoken in your heart, uh, maybe you're just living out your dream job right now and you just want to come forward and give God glory for it and give him praise. You just want to come and pray with one of the elders and just say, you know what, I don't want to take this job for granted. God has positioned me in such a great job with such great people. I'm so thankful for it. I want to, I want to give him praise. Would you join me in praising him for this job? However God has spoken, I'm going to pray. I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that our work is not meaningless. Thank you that it holds dignity. Father, we pray that this sermon series would be used mightily of you to help us to rightly think about work and to, and to have a, an attitude and an approach to our work that glorifies you and brings flourishing. Lord Jesus, would you do it for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Church, let's stand to our feet. You come if God has spoken to you. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.